the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. All the socialists got together to uh, beat up on Bloomberg, the clear winner, not President Trump. Uh, the clear winner, what? Bloomberg's media consultants, who will now probably get at least another billion dollars to spend to cover up for that bombing that Bloomberg offered the nation. Bloomberg lived down to his reputation as a colorless technocrat. And frankly, until the last uh, half hour of the debate, so af- well after everybody had turned on to something more interesting, Bloomberg was just a pincushion there. Started right out of the gate with uh, Elizabeth Warren putting a brand on Bloomberg. So I'd I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Uh Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. That's why she's in this race. She's looking for somebody who would represent working families, apparently, because she certainly isn't one. And then uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, he uh, accosted Bloomberg. Bloomberg shouldn't even exist. According to Bernie. A, a, a Bloomberg should not exist in America or the, anywhere else in the world. Like this and waving his hands. Pretty Senator much. Sanders, what did you mean that you don't think they should I'll exist? Tell you what, I mean. what did that mean? We have a <laughs> grotesque and immoral distribution of wealth and income. Mike Bloomberg owns more wealth than the bottom 125 million Americans. That's wrong. That's immoral. That should not be the case when we got a half a million people sleeping out on the street, where we have kids who cannot afford to go to college. Yeah, you get the rest of it. Well, but then it's also and Bloomberg shot back at Bernie, which I thought was fantastic. He's like, well, you're a millionaire. What a wonderful country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, house one. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, house two. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. But, Where is your home? But, which tax Which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much. Much and I pay all my taxes, and I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. 
that exchange was about as good as it got for Bloomberg, which isn't very good. And then, of course, you have Goldilocks in the middle. Yes, we've got to wake up as a party. We, we could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. And most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the the root of all power. Let's put forward somebody who actually lives and works in a middle-class neighborhood in an industrial Midwestern city. Let's put forward somebody who's actually a Democrat. Look. to choose between one candidate who wants to burn this party down and another candidate who wants to buy this party out. Look, we can do better. Senator. Is it, is it me? Nice rehearsed line. Yeah. Is it me or does every utterance from Mannequin Pete sound like it was ripped from the pages of Life's Little Instruction Book? <laughs> uh, it's not me. Did, did he not say on the stage at some point, if you're going after Moby Dick, bring the tartar sauce and other such <laughs> aphorisms? I mean, he is like a Dr. Phil wind-up doll. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nonsense. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. The, was, the, uh, the, yeah. the only other better moment for Bloomberg, to the, and I think that with exchange with Bernie, you just heard him call it the socialist with, who's a millionaire with three houses, was when he said uh, – uh, you know, I think I'm the only one on the stage who's actually started a business. So if, yeah. if, if we could talk a little bit about uh, economic activity, job creation, capital formation, I'm the only one on the stage who knows anything about that. That was about as, uh, again, as good as it got. But otherwise, uh, this is a guy who uh, voters probably need to see less and he needs to spend more if it, 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 it in the interest of his own electoral chances. It seemed to me to analogize this to 2016. There was Bernie Sanders and everybody else trying to get to second place. And that's exactly the dynamic it was with Trump. And and Ted Cruz got to second place. But by that mm-hmm. time, Trump was the nominee. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by David Harsani, senior writer for National Review, author of the book First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun from the Revolution to Today. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So, so uh, I mean, just sort of your top line assessment on whether or not anything that happened materially changed anybody's fortunes. I think you laid it out exactly how it is. You know, I, I, I don't really understand, for instance, what. No, I don't think anything has changed in, in any big way. Maybe Bloomberg took took a hit, but um, I don't understand why Warren didn't go after Sanders. You assume that a lot of her voters are there, and that's the road she needs to take, but. I think this just helps solidify Sanders as the front runner. Um, I just can't believe some of the stuff I was hearing. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, if I was up there, I'd be calling Bernie a communist every other word. You have the platitudes of Mayor Pete, which just are so grating to me. I can't believe anyone would vote for that guy. But um, so I don't know. I, it, it was very entertaining, WrestleMania-ish, and uh, fun for me to watch that in some way. But I don't think it changed anything. And, and I also Warner, think you're right about Trump. Bloomberg in a puddle. What's Pardon? that? Uh, I was so just it, saying it, that it, I think Elizabeth you're right Warner, about I mean, it was do or die for her. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Go, go, I mean, go, everyone go I think ahead, wants David. to be go, go ahead, David. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep stepping on your words. Um, I just no, think so, everyone. So, you were just saying. Yeah. Go ahead. It's very similar to the Trump. Uh, Rubio, uh, Trump, 
Cruz formulation where you had people sort of knocking each other out and Trump on top. I think that's what it looks like to me with Sanders. And Bernie Sanders, uh, who would be his vice president? Because he's clearly in the lead right now. Who do you who do you see him choosing? You, you wonder if he might want and to moderate. is not available. Yeah. <laughs> no, Trotsky. He's, a, he's more of a Trotsky, I think. But I think he'll. Yeah, you're uh, right about that. He'll. Yeah. Uh, he'll. Uh, pick, you know, I'm not sure. Do you think? I mean, I think he might look for someone who's more moderate, moderate, the, moderate the ticket in some way. But when you hear him speak, everyone's more moderate than him, right? So maybe mm-hmm. he will go with Elizabeth Warren. But I, I, I assume he'll pick a, a woman or someone. Uh, far younger than he is because, you know, he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be around for two terms. I know that people don't like to hear that sort of thing, but it, it seems to me that these are very old people up there. And it's worth talking about. Yeah, maybe that. maybe uh, there's some pantomiming going on, even with Elizabeth Warren. But in terms of what they're actually saying, if you strip away the histrionics, Elizabeth Warren went on a riff against private property that will not be covered by anybody except people like you and me. That was stunning. She she talked when she talked about how she would put an immediate moratorium on all mining and drilling on all public lands in this country. She talked about the ravages of uh, the ravages done to the environment in land that is held privately. I mean, she all but set up a follow up from any moderator that has firing synapses. Unfortunately, none were available to say, well, based on what you're saying, shouldn't all the land in this country be in the hands of the federal government to be used in the service of the people for the public's good as you see fit. Isn't that what you're effectively saying? Every land, all the land in private hands ravage, ravaging the environment. And we're going to protect the public lands as sacrosanct sanctuaries. It was really a remarkable rift that's going to go completely uncommented upon. Yeah, I mean, she says things that are crazy. Even the clip that you played, she's saying that this country has been run for billionaires and that everyone else has been left behind. What is she talking about? The, 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 first of all, we have a massive middle class, but also a growing upper middle class. Uh, poverty, you know, is, is, is at, it usually stays at around the same rate. It's been that way forever. I mean, there are, there's massive growth in this country. We live longer for the most part. Lately, there's been a little tick down, but usually, you know, the long-term trend is up. Everything that you can think of is trending higher, and they talk about the world as it's ending. And as you mentioned, the, the, the default for them is that government owes everything, and then it gives you something. If it gives you a tax break, tax break to, you know, Michael Bloomberg supposedly bought his houses on the on the backs of, of, of working people, not that he created jobs. I mean, their whole rhetoric is, is you know, is collectivist and socialist and, uh, and statist and authoritarian. I can't even believe that this is, is where we are. And it also, it's, again, I just have to go. The, the questions are so bad. There is no push pushback on the premises of any position that anybody on that stage takes. I mean, for goodness sakes, 30 minutes into that debate and you have one of the fungible moderators talking about, you know, the release of medical records. I thought these debates were supposed to be about the American people's interests, and uh, there's no follow-up to statements about billionaires shouldn't exist, like Bernie said. Like Bernie said, the, the the clip we played. Okay, Bernie, so billionaires shouldn't exist. So forget whether you would take campaign cash from billionaires. That's about you. What about the ten billion dollars that Jeff Bezos has committed to uh, underwrite all of your deindustrialization plans for America? Would you would you allow that money to be deployed too, or should that just be seized as well? I mean, let's get into the real specifics here. Let's start talking 
talking details of all these grand plans that they have and pushing back on some of this magical thinking, but none of that happens. Right. How... Has he ever explained how we're going to stop billionaires from existing? I don't, I don't know that there's a plan for that other than just destroying the economy, which I guess is, is part of his plan. And, you know, there's another part of this. I mean, this is, you're normalizing this kind of rhetoric at the highest level of politics where now young people and others are going to adopt it, and, and, and it's going to, you know, especially if it's successful, be part of how, how we speak. I mean, this was the argument about Trump and the way he speaks, et cetera, but now you're talking about something that outlives a person this is you know these are policies that will be here long after bernie is gone and you know ideas at least and, and have been here for for a long time and now you're going to have americans talking this way it's just it's really disconcerting sometimes i wonder if it's real do, do people really want that sort of policy or is that just something we like to hear is it like going i don't want to diss on religious people but is it like some religious people but is it like going to church and hearing the things that you find moral and good and then going home and acting it in any way you want so i think it might be the latter for a lot of people do you think sense. senator warren saved her do you think senator warren saved her campaign by attacking bloomberg i don't think so in a in a, in a bigger way it reminded me a little bit of tulsi taking out kamala you know i don't i don't know I, you know i think that I, I don't think she's that likable. I don't think she, there, there's enough there for her to do or enough you know, space for her to really take over. I mean, unless people start dropping out, I don't really know how you're going to change the dynamics of this race very much. Uh, you think uh, Trump and his pollster, Tony Fabrizio, are right to say that, uh, yeah, they'd rather face Bloomberg than Bernie? I don't know. I, you know, I thought Trump would lose, so I hate to say things like that, but I think that Bernie is not the type of candidate you want in today's Democratic Party or, in fact, today's world, but because he comes off as a kind of douchey millionaire, billionaire. Uh, so I don't know that he's going to connect with middle America in the way that Trump could. So I don't know about places like Wisconsin and, and wherever. Then again, you know, it's still still hard for me to believe that a bunch of people in, in, in states like Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, who are sort of independents or maybe lean a little to the right or don't care that much are going to vote for Bernie, who has not really, not really been attacked yet by the, by the right. You know, they haven't, it's out there for us. We see that he went to the Soviet Union and stuff like that, but I'm not sure the average person understands any of that stuff. And that's all going to come out, and he's going to be on the defensive a lot. Well, I'll I tell you what, Trump, the, the thing with Bloomberg, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, Trump is not going to hold back. Trump is going to call him a communist over and over again during a debate. You know what I'm saying? He's not uh, going to be like Warren or, or, or anyone else when it comes to Bernie. I think we've seen how Trump is, and I, I think that's going to be a barrage. It's going to be difficult for him to uh, to push back against. Well, I mean, Bloomberg used the C word uh, uh, on the debate stage last night. And I'm not talking about the, the one he uses in the workplace. Uh, he used he used communist. He said communist yeah. uh, uh, about about Bernie, and that's when you know Bernie got all offended. Yeah, that's a, true. You know, a Denmark he's a Denmarkian socialist, don't you know? <laughs> so not uh, good luck selling that. Yeah. Well, it's, so so here's the thing about Bloomberg. It seems to me that Bloomberg is doing a good job of guaranteeing that Bernie Sanders is the nominee by completely sucking up all the oxygen that is otherwise available to somebody like Mayor Pete to make one more run or maybe even Elizabeth Warren to make one more run, because I don't see the others on that stage as having much of a chance. And uh, and Bloomberg, I, I just have a hard time seeing that his latest reinvention Combined with the um, the the 
uh, qualities that he emotes on stage, I, I just have a hard time seeing him having anything more than a television audience and not a real constituency. Right. I mean, I think there's a there's a faction out there. They're looking for, for a, mod, a more moderate candidate who can win. Biden is a terrible politician, as we've talked about on this show, and, and he is not that man. So they're looking for someone else to fill that hole. And uh, I think that, you know, Bloomberg, I don't watch much regular, you know, cable TV, but, I, you know, Bloomberg's everywhere on the television. So they're giving him a look. I don't, but he is. He's sucking, sucking the air. He's, he is diverting attention away from moderates who could actually win. And uh, if he, he says he wants a moderate to run over Bernie, but if he really did, he'd drop out of the race. I mean, this is all just about him. And uh, I think that's going to be a disaster for Democrats, but, you know, and for America, because I think it's a disaster for America that Bernie will be the well, nominee. But right now, I don't Bloomberg see any so, other way. Yeah. No, Bloomberg is so high and mighty. I mean, yesterday he put out a memo. He wanted the other moderates to drop out of the race. The Klobuchar's <laughs> Mayor Pete. He hasn't been even, a, I mean, he was always been a Democrat, but, you know, he hasn't been a member of the Democratic Party until recently, and he's telling other Democrats who have been in the Senate to drop out of the race. It's just hilarious. <laughs> oh. There's a piece in, in Vanity Fair in 2004 written by a great writer, Christopher Hitchens, about Bloomberg uh, as mayor. Oh, yeah. So this is, you know, th- this is three years in. You remember this piece? And I, yeah, I, thought, I wrote a book called Nanny State in, in 2007 or eight, and... Um, Bloomberg, I went yesterday to the back to see how often I mention him in the book. He's everywhere in the book. And uh, I mentioned Christopher Hitchens' essay, which I actually reread yesterday. It's, one of the, it's just a wonderful essay. It really is. And this, to me, is he captures why Bloomberg is unpalatable. And it doesn't matter how much he could have all the money in the world. And it's not going to be enough. It's not because of necessarily the the, the comments that he's made on a, a range of topics and a range of groups that have come out over the last uh, couple of weeks. It's it's this the nanny state piece that you were just talking about. And, and he just he just emotes that in everything he says, even if he's not talking specifically about regulating the minutiae of your life, it just sort of uh, radiates from him. Hitchens called him a micromegalomaniac, saying in the New York of Mayor Bloomberg, there are laws that are not possible to obey and that nobody can respect and that are enforced by arbitrary power. The essence of tyranny is not iron law. It is capricious law. Tyranny can be petty and petty is not just Bloomberg's middle name. It is his name. The, the, the pettiness, the I'm going to make America behave quality of Bloomberg, I think, is the killer for him. Yeah, he, he, is, he, is, he, is, he is hard to take. And, you know, they, people don't understand, I think, that, or may, may not understand. In a city like New York, you know, he runs, basically, he promises to continue Rudy's policies moving forward. And everyone likes that there's gentrification and everyone likes that the crime is down and everyone you know, wants a safe city. So they, so they live with a guy like that because there's really no one running against him. And the person who is is usually full-blown communist, and, and they don't want that, even though now they do. But um, when you're running for president, you need a whole different set of skills. You know, you have to appeal to people in a different way. You're not really running a business. I think it's important that he, that he has, actually, but I don't think that that's t- top on people's lists when they think about a president. So I don't think he can connect with people, and, and, and as you just laid out. David Harsani, senior writer for National Review, author of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. 
It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.